Today's show brought to you by Redcon1.com. That's right. Click the link at the bottom of the podcast app in which you are listening to this on. Check them out. Use promo code T20 Quartermist. That's right. Redcon1.com. There's nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. I am the nation. I was born on July 4th, 1776, and the Declaration of Independence is my birth certificate. The bloodlines of the world run in my veins because I offered freedom to the oppressed. I am many things and many people. I am the nation. I am 200 million living souls and the ghost of millions who have lived and died for me. I am Nathan Hale and Paul Revere. I stood at Lexington and fired the shot heard around the world. Washington, Jefferson, Patrick Henry, I'm John Paul Jones, the Green Mountain Boy, Davy Crockett, I'm Lee. Coming to you from the DTOM studios in the free state of Florida, sponsored by Maker's Mark Bourbon, this is Don't Tread on America. And I am your host, Don Q. How's everybody doing out there today? It is Friday, October 7th, 2022. <sighs> Whew, made it through another week. All right. All right. Also, don't forget about our new sponsor to the show, Christian Lawson Watches. Check them out at ChristianLawson.com. Use promo code DTOM at checkout to get 30% off your purchase price. Great watches. Uh, designed in London by Christian Lawson himself and uh, sent straight to the DTOM studios. Check out our Instagram page and Facebook at Don't Tread on America if you want to check it out. And uh, buy something for your wife. Women, buy something for your husband. Use promo code DTOM at checkout. Get 30% off. All right, here we go. Here we go. I got a quick show for you because I got stuff I got to get done around the house. Uh, having a garage sale tomorrow. The kids are coming over. And uh, sugar water. All right, so the other day, Biden's down here in the was down here in the great state of free state, great great and free state of Florida, talking to your potential next uh, president. And um, you know, at this point, DeSantis is focused on running for governor or for you know his uh, second term, I should say. And uh, Biden basically. Officially slash unofficially um, endorsed um, <laughs> DeSantis. You have a situation where um, where he um, was asked questions by the you know by the press and whatever. Of course, it's very interesting because he's talking to the press and he's. Um, goes off mic you know he starts to wander so you know person so i'm gonna i'm gonna have to turn this up a little bit so you can try and hear what they're saying here i think he's done a good job look i called him i think he before he called me i'm gonna hurt him we're a candidate of love we have a very different political philosophy and but we work hand in glove and he's been on dealing with this crisis we've been completely lockstep but no difference okay and then uh there was this Right here. What the governor's done is pretty remarkable. So far, I mean, this is what, what, he's, what he's done. So, there you go. 
he's done a great job. What he's done has been pretty remarkable. There you go. So pretty much what happened at that point. This was um, this was was this the other. This today's the seventh. So this was on um, Wednesday when this was caught. And uh, pretty much once these audio tapes, these videos, and whatever were released, you you might have not have caught it, but Charlie Crist exploded. Every liberal that lives in this state dropped out. And the race is basically over. So this is an article. Now, this is out of Florida here. This is uh, from Florida Politics. Uh, it's an online uh you know, news blog, whatever you want to call it. And it's very much a left-leaning situation. <laughs> and the title reads, With POTUS non-endorsement endorsement of Ron DeSantis, the race for governor is over. Now, these are his words. I'm not, not saying... Uh, I mean, this is not what I think. I, I don't think DeSantis needs Biden's endorsement or whatever. Um, if you've lived in the state for the last four years, you understand why this man will retain the uh, governorship. Um, and it has nothing to do with Biden endorsing him or not. But nonetheless, I'll read. Joe Biden essentially ended the intellectual argument for any swing or undecided voters to pick Charlie Crist over DeSantis. The 22 race for governor, Florida governor, is officially over. There, I said it. I think the author is Peter Scorch, looks like. He wrote this yesterday. As one of the most prominent allies of former U.S. Rep. Charlie Crist, it breaks my heart to write that. And because my wife was one of Crist's most loyal aides, uh, it probably will get me in trouble around the house. But my ultimate job in Florida politics is to call balls and strikes, and I pride myself on making tough calls even when they go against what I personally want or believe. Uh, he goes on to say, that's why in 15 I pub we published the first poll showing Trump leading Bush. That's why in 16 we predicted Trump would beat Clinton. Yada, yada, yada. That's not point. Um, <laughs> it doesn't make me being a scientist or SpaceX to recognize DeSantis will defeat Chris in November. All of the da data, DeSantis' massive fundraising advantage, and the Florida GOP's voter registration serve, surge, all polling. Points to DeSantis will probably win greater than three and a half points. Trump defeated uh, Biden in Florida. <clears throat> he goes on to say, my job here is to play medical examiner, and in this case, that means declaring the race dead. What's interesting is the cause of the time of death. The words of Biden, sometime in the early afternoon on Tuesday, I think he's done a good job, Biden told reporters. Uh, offering his assessment of DeSantis' response to the devastation wrought by Hurricane Ian, Potus then added, "We have very difficult political philosophies, but we worked hard. We worked hand in glove." Now, that was the clips I played just a minute ago. Um, I don't know where Christ was at the moment. By his words, made him <laughs> made it into political atmosphere, but I imagine the blood drained from his tanned face. As Florida political reporter uh, Jacob Ogles noted, insulated. With those words, Biden all but endorsed DeSantis for re-election, even if he didn't mean to or want to. While there are still major policy and uh, 
attitudinal differences between DeSantis and Chris, the Democratic president, uh, president of the United States, essentially ended the intellectual argument for any swing or undecided voters to pick Chris over uh, DeSantis. If you are the DeSantis campaign with, with more money than either party, you uh, quickly cut the digital ad that highlights Biden's words and put it on repeat on MSNBC. It's probably no coincidence that also on Tuesday it was announced that only scheduled debate between DeSantis and Chris was postponed while the governor leads the state's disaster, disaster response efforts. At this point, what is the point of then debating? Of course, again, DeSantis supporters will respond to this assessment of the finality of the race as me playing Captain Obvious. After all, the most recent... Ma- okay, all right, you know, we knew about this the other day. Here's my question. I live in Florida, obviously, you guys know that. <clears throat> DeSantis... So, President Biden, poopy pants himself, comes to Florida to oversee the devastation in, uh, you know, in the Fort Myers area. So along with him, you had Senators um, Marco Rubio and, um, God bless, I can't think of his name right now, Rick. Uh, yeah, that's not good. The other guy. <laughs> Freaking ex-governor, I can't even think of his name. Hey, it happens. Anyway. The two senators from the state. Where was Chris? He's a he's a uh, representative and a Democrat. Why wasn't he with Biden? Why wasn't he there? Why does he he don't care about you guys down in Fort Myers? I mean, I know it's not his constituents, it's not his um, area, but why why isn't he also down there? Uh, you know, I don't know. I think it shows a lot about what your what your future I mean this guy's running for governor right it's down to Charlie Crist on the Democratic side and Ron DeSantis on the Republican side right so why wouldn't the person running for governor be down there also I mean you don't have to be holding hands with Ron DeSantis but you could be helping out there's been no, and the reason I know this is because there's no coverage. Forget national, forget about Fox or CNN or anyone like that, because that doesn't matter. They're not going to sit there and talk about the Chris and DeSantis race. It's a, it's not a national story. Obviously, it's a Florida story. But as a resident of Florida, I can tell you right now, the local news around here hasn't. You haven't seen hide nor hair of Charlie Crist. Not to mention, you haven't even seen any of his ads lately. So. I don't know that he's obviously not going to pull out, you know what I'm saying, but it's full steam ahead. You got what 30 something days till the till the election, but still you're not even trying now. So anyway, on to more fun stuff. All right, so this was also caught on a hot mic down while he was down there. Uh, touring the the damage and stuff like that. I want to make sure this isn't too loud because I have to turn it up and then turn it down. And it's it's all fun. I So I don't know if you caught that, but he said no one fucks with a Biden. Gentleman comes up to him, is thanking him for being there, and yada yada yada. His response <laughs> was no one fucks with a Biden. 
That's exactly what's his response. What that has to do with you coming down here to see and show support for the people of Florida is beyond me, but whatever. But um, <laughs> you go from that to to this. So this all happened within a matter of a day. So he's on the hot mic. He basically endorses Ron DeSantis for re-election, says no one fucks with the Biden, and then OPEC says, oh, yeah? Uh, hold my beer. So Goldman raises old price forecasts on very bullish OPEC cuts. Okay, so I'm not going to read this story because I basically know it because, you know, I'm smart like that. No. So the other day, OPEC comes out with um, with a, basically they're saying we're going to cut $2 million or 2 million barrels uh, output per day. Those Those countries include a lot of the Middle Eastern countries plus Russia. And Venezuela, and they were like, we're not going to produce, we're, whatever that number is, we're producing 2 million barrels less. Um, the OPEC group members of the Organization of the Petroleum Export Countries, which include Russia, agreed on the deepest cuts to production since the 2020 COVID pandemic in a meeting in Vienna on Wednesday. So now you might be asking, why did they cut oil production in 2020 because of COVID? Well, because people weren't going anywhere. And it wasn't because it wasn't just like in America. People, this isn't has nothing. I mean, it does have a lot to do with America, but it's not like they're cutting two million barrels a day for uh, for us. Just in general, they're cutting two million uh, barrels a day. Period. So, what does that mean? Well, what that means is they're forecasting, and we've talked about this in the past when the gas prices skyrocketed a few months ago. That oil, your gas prices at the gas station are based on your oil prices, obviously, right? So, even though, you know, you've seen it where you've seen a, a gas station get a gas delivery. Like, you could have been there. Gas is getting delivered. The very next day, let's say gas is $3. Like, it just happened here. When this story came out the other day, this, this story came out on Wednesday. Thursday morning, gas jumped around here. 20 something cents. So in Florida, <laughs> gas prices on uh Saturday whatever whatever the 30th was, whatever the last day of the month was, Friday whatever day that was. Gas was like 3.29 around here where I live. The very next day, it dropped 25 cents. So some people, a lot of people that don't pay attention to things was like, "Wow, why did gas drop 25 cents? Holy shit, what just happened?" Well, October 1st started Ron DeSantis signed a bill for the month of October, no gas tax. So October 1st, gas dropped 25 cents because the gas tax in Florida was 25 cents. Okay. So that, boom. A few days later, on Wednesday, OPEC comes out and announces this. We're going to stop, you know, we're going to cut production 2 billion uh, barrels a day. The very next day, gas jumped, whoop, 27 cents. So, we, in, around here, it was like you had a few days of grace because of the, the gas tax. Now, just imagine if we didn't have that cut on gas tax, we'd be pushing 
250, 260, or I'm sorry, 350, 360 a gallon. So there's there's states in this country that are already in the six to seven dollar range out west, especially. But <laughs> what does Biden do? So what was it two was it two three months ago? He was in Saudi, kissing ass to the Saudi prince, you know, fist bumping, you know, because he got denied on the handshake. These people in OPEC and in, in these petroleum exporting countries are allied with Russia. So if we hate Russia and we're doing whatever with uh, the Ukraine to aid the Ukraine against Russia, and Russia is allies with these OPEC countries, what are they going to do? Of course, they're like, we don't give a fuck about y'all. And you know, who pointed this out best was Trump. When Trump took office back in 17, his goal in life was to not import oil from these countries to the point where it drove the price of oil way down. Now, you'll see reports where it says, oh, but by Trump doing this, it caused the American oil companies to make record profits. Well, no shit, Sherlock. You know why? Because we weren't buying gas or we weren't buying oil from foreign entities. Exxon, Mobil, um, these American-based companies, oil companies, were able to pump oil out of the ground in the United States, whether it was in Alaska, they were doing the the, uh, fracking and the shell and all that shit up in North Dakota, up in that part of the country. They were pumping heavily out of Texas. Pennsylvania, oddly enough, Pennsylvania is an oil-producing state. So we were producing more oil in this country than we had in the history of this country. We didn't need Russian oil, Venezuelan oil, Middle Eastern oil. We didn't need it. Why? We had our own. We have our own. Then what happened on January 21st of 21? You had Dipshit McGee go through, sign all those executive orders, halting um, leases on lands for oil production. No new leases. You had... Thanks, computer. You had... um, He shut the pipeline down. You had all these situations that occurred within a stroke of a pen. Just like that. And then we turn. The goal is, oh, we got to green energy. We got to electric vehicles. We got to do all this stuff. But we're still begging other countries. And countries that hate us, by the way. Venezuela, some of these Middle Eastern countries, Russia now. That hate us. Do you think they care if we have oil? You can cut 2 billion barrels a day production and then just not send shit to the United States. What what are you going to do about it, Joe? You're going to go beg our other enemies? I mean, it doesn't make any fucking sense. What is the what is the end game here? You can push electric vehicles. You can do all this stuff. You can. It's not going to change the fact that the majority of the of this country drive gas-powered vehicles. No one's we this country's not just going to flip on a script and get um EVs. That's just not going to happen. Not to not to mention you have um companies that produce those vehicles limiting production because they can't get parts and the the demand 
isn't there. Um, not to mention, when we think of oil, we think of America pumping oil, the Middle East, Russia, whoever. When we think of oil, automatically, we assume we're talking about gas. So when the cost of oil goes up from 100 to 110 to 125 dollars a barrel, we think, okay, well here goes the cost of gas. True, because we see that. You drive by the gas station. Yesterday it was three bucks. Today it's three twenty. Tomorrow it's three fifty. So on and so forth. We see that. But you, there's well over a hundred and forty something items that are made that we use on a regular basis that use petroleum we don't think of it like this we think oil gas oil gas so according to the um the u.s energy information uh, administration this is a list of petroleum products and their share of the total u.s petroleum consumption okay so obviously gas is like 50 percent then you have heating oil jet fuel I mean, these are the obvious ones, right? Propane. Um, I don't know what some of these things are. Petroleum, coke, I don't know what that is. Heavy fuel, asphalt, lubricants, so like your motor oil, um, and so on and so forth. So those are obvious things. So you think, okay, well, no shit, Don. You're talking about oil. So obviously we're using gas and heating oil and uh, propane and, and those types of things, natural gas, whatever. But here's the thing. Here's a list of products made from petroleum. Okay, so solvents. So cleaning solvents, stuff to clean uh, your motor, your vehicles and stuff like that. Okay, once again, obvious. Diesel fuel, obvious. Motor oil, obvious. Bearing grease, obvious. Ink. Hmm. Floor wax. Ballpoint pens. Football cleats. Upholstery. Sweaters. Boats, insecticides, bicycle tires, sports car bodies, nail polish, fishing lures, dresses, tires, golf bags, perfume, cassettes, uh, dishwasher parts, toolboxes, uh, shoe polish, motorcycle helmet, caulking, petroleum jelly. I mean, I guess that should be obvious, right? Transparent tape, uh faucet wash you know washers for your faucets and 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 whatever you use a washer and hoses so on and so forth antisept uh, antiseptics clothesline curtains food, food preservatives yummy yummy just think food preservatives mm, mm, love, love some oil with my uh with my patrol with my <laughs> my food right basketballs soap vitamin capsules antihistamines purses shoes i think i already said shoes dashboards so you hear some of these computer parts tires dashboards <laughs> parts of cars so not only is your gas expensive but your car parts to build said cars are expensive why is then that's also why your electric vehicles are so much more expensive on top of the crazy ass price you're paying for the batteries for said cars um deodorant Putty, dyes, pantyhose, refrigerant, uh, life jackets, rubbing alcohol, linens, skis, TV cabinets, shag rugs, you know, because it's 1972, right? <laughs> Electrician's tapes, uh, tool racks, car battery cases. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, there's, a, there's well over 100 items here. Um, 
<clears throat> toothpaste, <laughs> shaving cream, ammonia. I'm just kind of looking through this thing, but fan belts for cars, um, dishes, pillows, camera. You know, I mean, the list goes on and on. Pretty much everything. I would say there's probably, you can be sitting in your house right now and you could look around and there's probably, you're going to look at probably five or ten different things that's made from petroleum. Whether it's 100%, 5%, 1%, whatever, it doesn't matter. So when those costs of petroleum go up, those costs go up too. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's like a triple-edged sword, if there's such a thing. So we've talked about, oh, look at the cost of goods going up. When the gas prices go up, the cost of goods go up. We automatically make that connection. Okay, well, yeah, because it costs money to fill the trucks to get the trucks to move the product from A to B, right? We get that. But it's not even just that. It costs money to fill up the trucks to move the product from point A to point B, but it also costs money if those products that are being moved take petroleum to build, to make, to produce. The tires for the truck, the oil for the truck, the <laughs> parts for the truck, the fan belts for the truck. It's not just about moving product from here to there it's about producing said product producing the truck producing the stuff to run the truck not just the gasoline but the intangibles to run the truck those all cost money and if all those things are made from or some part of it is made from petroleum-based products and petroleum oil goes up in price all that stuff goes up in price that's what we're talking about here. So <laughs> what makes things worse is I saw this little nugget. So if you make $70,000 a year, this is just going to be for easy math. If you make 70000 a year, between the taxes taken from that paycheck or from your pay for the year and the cost of inflation, you're netting only $48,000 a year. Now let that sink in, sink in for just a minute. And that is also assuming <laughs> that you make $70,000 a year. I mean, the average household income in this country, household income, let me repeat that. If you, Joe Smith, make $70,000 a year, you're making a lot of money because the average household income is $45,000 a year. So what that means is husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe you live alone, whatever. The average household income is $45,000 a year. That means if you're a couple, you make, on average, the average couple makes $45,000 a year. So... <laughs> If that's the average <laughs> household income and you're making 70, you're doing real good. But you're still losing 30% of that paycheck. And on top of that, now gas is going to skyrocket. But, you know, nobody fucks with Biden, right? You could be listening to this right now and you could be thinking, wow, household income is 45000 That seems low. Look it up. I don't care. It's there. I'm telling you. Just Google, duck it, whatever. Average household income, that's the numbers that come up. I mean, it's probably not exactly 45000 It might be $45,562, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, 
there are a lot of people that I know <laughs> that make more than that. I mean, not for nothing, but me and my, me and my wife together make substantially more than that. I mean, not a million dollars, but, you know, we make a decent living between the two of us. And our household income is probably three times the average household income, maybe a little more. And I'm not trying to brag. And I know people that I personally know people that make about the same amount of money. And what is your comment? I have no money. Man, we can't do anything. It's too expensive to go out to eat. It's too expensive to do this. It's too expensive to do that. And you make two to three times what the average household income is. Think about those people that are only making the dollars $50,000 a year household-wise. And we bitch. It makes you really think. I always always talk about wealth is in the eye of the beholder. And I brought this up on one of the shows a while back. Where if you know somebody that's making $20,000 a year, if I personally, and we'll talk about me, if I personally know somebody making $20,000 a year, they're going to look at me and say, wow, you're rich. And then I would be like, I'm not rich. You know, because you don't see yourself as being rich, right? But then you look at, you know, this person that's making a million dollars a year, they're rich. I'm not rich. But to the guy making $20,000 a year, you're rich, because that guy making twenty thousand dollars a year might live in a single wide trailer. He might live in an apartment with two other couples. He might live with his parents. You see what I'm saying? You have a house. You have cars. You have. You go on vacations. You do whatever. So in his eyes, you're rich. So I understand that. But not to mention this guy, this household making forty five thousand dollars a year is still getting taxed. And still losing money on inflation. Because they still have to buy gas. They still have to go to the grocery store. They still have to do those things that all of us have to do. And on top of that, if they're making $45,000 a year, they're getting taxed at the, you know, the 30% or you know the, the total number is still 30%. $45,000, hmm. just quick math. What's that? $12,000, $13,000? So that... 45 is now 36, or I'm sorry, is now 32, 33. It makes a difference, guys. But um, but like I said, that's gas, that's oil. You know, he went and begged these people for gas, and they told him, fuck you, basically. No one fucks with the Biden, right? And then this came out yesterday. After a four-year-long investigation, the feds have the evidence to charge Hunter Biden with a multitude of crimes. But will they? And that's really the the uh, million dollar question I would have to I would have to say, because um, according to this report, federal agents have evidence to charge Hunter Biden. Um, federal agents investigating Hunter Biden believe they have for months had enough evidence to charge the first son with tax crimes, as well as for lying about his drug abuse and um, so he could buy a gun. A new report revealed the uh, final decision whether to bring case against the 52-year-old son of the president will be made by Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss, who was appointed to his current post by former President Donald Trump. The Washington Post, um, citing people familiar with the investigation, reported that agents had determined months ago 
that they had assembled a viable criminal case against the against Hunter Biden. The newspaper reported that the investigation, which started by focusing on Hunter's overseas business dealings, revealed in the series of reports by the Post in the fall of 20, had shifted to whether he reported all his income from foreign transactions. <clears throat> uh, Hunter himself announced in December 20 that his tax affairs were being investig by, investigated by authorities in Delaware and said he was confident that the professionals in an objective review of those matters would demonstrate that I handle my affairs legally and appropriately. At some point after the announcement, the first son paid off a tax bill totaling around $2 million. Sources told the Post that Kevin Morris, a big shot Hollywood lawyer, had loaned the money to defray the debt. The probe kicked off in 18 when investigators started looking into whether Hunter and his business associates violated various tax and money laundering laws during the dealings in China and other countries. Emails and other records related to, deal to the dealings were found on a laptop dropped off in Delaware uh, at a Delaware repair shop in 2019 and never reclaimed. Meanwhile, questions surrounding Hunter's gun purchase surfaced after Delaware State Police FBI launched an investigation in late 18 following a bizarre incident between him and his sister-in-law turned lover. Nothing weird about that. According to Political last year, Haley then took the partner's gun and tossed it in the trash. We know about the story. Here's a picture of him with the damn gun. Um, so, so a couple of things. You're you're the president. You're screaming about illegal gun purchases and ghost guns, and we need stricter background checks, and we need this, and we need that. But your son is illegal, is a felon in possession of a gun. Lied on his um, your your you know your uh, gun affidavit that you fill out, and it does ask you if you're addicted to drugs or whatever. So he lied. Uh, now all this now the thing that kills me is. They've had this for months. What are they waiting for? Are they waiting for the election to be over? You know, this the midterms? It's really starting to heat up. And it'll be interesting to see if... If... How can I put this? Okay, so we've all talked about the Bob Linsky. He was just on Tucker the other day. He's doubling down. Um... If this causes the red wave that everyone talks about and you have and the Republicans take the House, take the Senate, what does this mean? Obviously, I mean, realistically, I give two shits about Hunter Biden. If he's on drugs, he's not on drugs, he's fucking whores, doing cocaine, I don't give a shit. What I want to know is what was going on with him in China, him in the Ukraine, and what does... All this have to do with Joe. That's that's the thing. Did he use his dad's name to make money? I would say the chances are yes. Was Joe Biden's brother involved? Apparently. Was Joe involved? I think that's the biggest question. And it just seems weird that the countries that Hunter Biden had dealings with are also the countries that we're sending billions of dollars to. <laughs> we're cutting deals with. We're doing this and we're doing that with. That's where I think a lot of people are getting pissed off. You could give, I think most of the people in this country could give two shits about Hunter Biden. 
it's not about him. It's about what he has done to involve his father to now involve this country into paying off those debts. And I think that's where your biggest problem in this country lies with this whole situation. So where I want to close this show out is this. Yeah, I know it's a short show. I got you. Um, I've been preparing for this new series I'm doing. So I wanted to close out with this whole Hunter Biden thing and the stuff that's going on in Ukraine. I'm going to close it out with this. This is a um, recording that was done back in 1965 by um, Paul Harvey. If I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population. But I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the... So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a servant, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is swear. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing, I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who want it until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. What'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. Good day. So that was Paul Harvey, 1965. So that was almost 60 years ago. And you can see what was happening then, what has gone on since then. He talked about priest doing things to children. He talked about worshiping the government instead of God. <clears throat> he talked about the stuff we see on TV, the the uh, 
the popularity, I guess is a good word, of the media. Like back in the day, even when I was a kid, and I'm not even talking about in the 60s, I'm talking about in the 80s, we watched the news as a source of what's going on, whether it was local news or, or national news. Granted, back then we were we were mainlined into believing whatever those anchors, you know, Tom Brokaw, Dan Rather, those people told us. Now you have so many more options, obviously, with internet and like cable news and stuff like that. Um, and you can kind of believe what your heart tells you to believe, but nonetheless, it's still about profit. Fox, CNN, MSNBC, all these um, news corporations are in it for the money. <laughs> this isn't uh, about spreading the news for your good. It's about spreading the news for profit. That's why most of these news, quote-unquote, news corporations are owned by corporations. They're not owned by journalists. They're not owned by media-savvy people. You, you see what I'm saying? They're not doing this for their for the good of the people. They're doing it for the good of their pockets. That's why Universal Corporation owns NBC. That's why Disney owns ABC. That's why, you know... Uh, well, I don't know who who owns CBS, but it's a corporate. I want to say it's like a. These are multi corporation companies that own these news media, so they can spread their their beliefs and their propaganda to the people that want to listen to them. And that's why you see so many people that they watch Fox or they watch, you know, NBC or ABC or CBS. They watch and they're dedicated to those companies. Because in their heart, they believe whatever Fox is telling them or NBC or so on and so forth. Do you see what I'm saying? It's, and I'm not saying one's any more right than the other. It's what you believe in your heart. Um, that's why I've always said you should open your eyes. If you watch Fox, fine, watch Fox. But maybe watch a little CNN. Or better yet, look at these independent journalists. These are your real journalists. Go to the gray zone. Watch out, or you know, listen to Alex Berenson. Listen to these entities. Granted, they're called crazy. They're called conspiracy theorists. They're called whatever because they don't. They think outside the box. They don't think in the mainstream. Look at how popular Tucker Carlson is. Okay, he is not your typical even Fox News host. He is out the box when it comes to even on Fox. And a lot of people, and on especially on different channels, CNN and whatever, call him crazy and call him a Russian whatever and call him this and call him that. Well, it's because he doesn't fit in their box of what news media should be. You don't really hear that a lot about the other Fox uh, talent, you know. It's mainly they focus so much on Tucker Carlson because he he's not afraid. He's gotten so big, he's not afraid to say the things he wants to say. Now... You have podcasts. You have all sorts of podcasts. And I'm not even talking about the popular ones. I'm not talking about Joe Rogan and, and those people. They still have to fit a structure because they want the sponsors. They want to make the money. But your smaller podcasts like this one, and there's so many just like the one I'm doing, and we say the things we want to say because it doesn't cost a shit ton of money to do a podcast. So I can do this podcast. I can say the things I want to say because... You're either going to hear it or you're not going to hear it, right? And I'm sure there's people that hear this that are pissed at the things I'm saying. And the fact that this podcast isn't huge 
keeps me at keeps me at bay essentially they're not knocking at my door to shut me up because i'm not blowing up a million subscribers i could with y'all's help i could and i'm telling you the reason i wanted to end the show with this clip is because this is going to lead me into what the series is going to be next week and i'm telling you right now as god is my witness please Guys, subscribe to this show. It doesn't cost you anything. All you have to do is hit that subscribe button. If you're already subscribing, thank you. But what I need you guys to do is share this show with your friends. If you have friends that are like-minded, which I would assume most of your friends are, or you wouldn't be <laughs> you wouldn't be friends. And even if they're not like-minded, even if they kind of have a different idea of what things are, have them listen to some of these shows. I mean, I grant it. Some of these ones I talk about when I'm bashing Biden and I'm bashing Kamala and I'm bashing whoever, they're not going to get on board with. I get that. But have them listen to the Bloodlines, the NWO shows, the Kazarian Mafia shows, those those series shows like I did a show last earlier. I guess it was, I don't know if it was earlier this year or was last year. I've been doing this for a minute now. The, uh, the, his, the uh, history of um, empires the rise and fall of the empires of, of this world. And it was a three-part series. You can look it up through the archives. Listen to those shows. You'll see how the rise and fall of major empires in our, in our world's history and how it equates to what's going on today in this country because we consider, I mean, America, when the story's written, will be considered one of the greatest empires of the world, Roman and, you know, English, Mongolian. It's going to, America fits that, fits that mold we don't think of it like that because we're living it but we're in that mold and that mold's about to break so please share this with your friends even like i said even the ones that aren't necessarily on board with being anti-biden or whatever the case may be they might enjoy those things that might open their eyes and they might see wow shit this is what's really going on all right guys so with that being said it is what is it october 7th 2022 and please look out for the series coming up i'm telling you i think it's really going to be good um so hopefully you guys think the same other than that you guys have a great day and i'll talk to you again later